Today's podcast is generously and authentically offered to you by Boron and the Arnicare line of pain relief products. Arnicare, made from a mountain daisy, helps you to get back to your best by providing relief of soreness and pain from an active lifestyle as well as reducing bruising after a cosmetic procedure. All brands and sponsor opportunities are vetted and curated by me and are selected to sponsor based on my experience with the product or service, both personally and professionally. This ensures that you hear about products and services with authenticity, credibility, and integrity. Arnicare, it's a Boron brand you can trust, and I do. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Medea, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast dedicated to fashion, the art of living well, and all things beauty. I'm your host, Dr. Shirley Madare, your purveyor of this definitive source of living a beautiful life. This week's episode is dedicated to your inner deity. Beauty for empowerment, how to summon your goddessness. Welcome to my interview with the legendary, epic, beautiful, incredible Mickey Taylor. For over 30 years, Mickey served as Essence Magazine's groundbreaking beauty and cover director, and she's now its editor-at-large. As an entrepreneur, she's also the founder and president of Mickey Taylor Enterprises, LLC, and Satin Doll Productions, I love that, which is a full-service image building and consulting division of which I will soon become a client. She is a published and acclaimed author, having penned Self-Seduction, Your Ultimate Path to Inner and Outer Beauty, and Commander-in-Chic, Every Woman's Guide to Managing Her Style Like a First Lady, most notably Michelle Obama. We'll talk about her most recent publishing success, Editor-in-Chic, How to Style and Be Your Most Empowered Self. Mickey's also a media darling. She's appeared in and on The Oprah Winfrey Show, The View, Today, Weekend Today, The Early Show, NBC, Nightly News, Extra, Inside Edition, E! Entertainment Television, CNN, TV Guide, Chanel, TV Channel, VH1, Style Network, Life and Style, <gasps> WeTV, CBS 2 Morning News, The Style Network, Pure Oxygen, BET, Monique's Fat Chance, TV One's host of Makeover Manor, and Flavor of Love Girls Charm School. And the list goes on. I was just a few. <laughs> She's also a teacher. At the invitation of Ms. Oprah herself, Mickey served as an instructor to 149 girls aged 12 to 14 at the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls as part of its arts workshop in 2007. Mickey taught a course called Celebrating Your Unique Beauty and Style, and we'll touch upon that today, a three-part workshop that addressed practical and timeless elements of social graces and the essential basics of inner and outer beauty. She also taught Your Best Shot a session which taught the skills to ensure a phenomenal photograph. 
And I'm sure every social media person, everyone on social media would love to take that workshop, myself included. As importantly, Mickey is a mother, a wife, and a dear friend. Thank you so much for your time, Mickey, and welcome to the Forever Fab podcast. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Let's get at it. (laughs) (laughs) Mickey, where did you grow up and how did you fall in love with fashion and beauty? Oh my gosh, I grew up in what I call beauty school. I grew up in (laughs) Newark, New Jersey, which we, you know, lovingly refer to as Brick City. (laughs) And uh, yeah, right across the Hudson. My mother actually was uh, in beauty before me. She was a longtime hairstylist, makeup artist, and wardrobe stylist yes. to the legendary Sarah Vaughn. Oh, my God. And so, you know, for me, just, you know, her travels around the world, the information she brought back, the people in her circle, women like Lena Horne, Ella Fitzgerald, wow. Carmen McRae, the list goes on and on. And Sarah herself, uh, in fact, my mother, Sarah bought the house we lived in across the street from her so oh my, my mother could be close. Oh, my goodness. Because they were schoolgirl friends. So, you know, those, not only were those lessons in beauty so profound for me, but sisterhood also. So yeah, watching that, my mother bringing back beauty products from all over the world. I was particularly struck by the drams, as they used to call them, of foundations that she would bring back from Europe in shades that matched our brown skin which was unusual. You couldn't get them here in the U.S. Right. And so naturally I got in a lot of trouble because every time (laughs) she went on the road and they were gone like by three months, four months time, I would get in all our stuff. (laughs) Yeah, those are the days of ocean liners, of course. So they were gone a long time. And I played. And then after my mother uh, retired, after about 10 years on the road with Sass, she opened her own beauty salon. I see. And that's where I got to see what I call the transformative power of inner and outer beauty up close and personal on everyday women. And I realized that women weren't just coming in for a great hairstyle. They were coming in for fellowship. They were coming in for therapy. They were coming in for solutions to challenges. They were coming in to affirm one another because black women were still the invisible women if you will, while I was coming of age. And so um, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. And it taught me even the power of our dollars, that beauty is such an emotional purchase for us. So it's not that these women were celebrities, but they had what I call celebrity, (laughs) and that they were self-nurturing. They took care of their beauty. They celebrated their beauty. And so those hard-earned dollars that went to the beauty salon every week, they took great pride in that. Yes. Yeah. I think that's really important. So I think, so needless to say, that had a great impression on me. And so it was really no surprise. You know, it was, I think I was really born the work, born to do the work that I'm doing to affirm us. So essence was part of God's destiny for me. Yes. Yeah. it, It just always seemed natural and very organic. That's a beautiful journey. Yeah. And I'm so yeah. happy that your journey you. is continuing. Thank you. Your most recent book, Editor in Chic, is dedicated to your family and also to your mother. Yes. It reads, quote, 
to mommy who taught me to live an empowered life. Now, you just talked about how your mom was in the beauty industry and how you witnessed through her and her interactions and her work the power of sisterhood through beauty. How is it that she taught you to lead an empowered life? Because you wouldn't necessarily think beauty and empowerment, even though I believe that they're related. How did she do that for you? You know, I think that... um the values, through the values and through the life that she demonstrated. You know, one of the things that I learned is that if the best is possible, then good is not enough. Right. I also learned, my mother used to always say, put yourself in the other person's place. Because the, the logical thing is always to think about you or how things affect you or how you look or what's, it's all about you. It's all no, about you. put yourself in the other person's place. Yeah. And I would hear her even tell women who didn't think they were beautiful that they were. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, this is going eons back. My mother told me a story about there was a singer by the name of Little Esther Phillips. And, and sometimes when you're listening to WBGO or Newark's Jazz Station, you can hear <laughs> Esther songs but Esther had a beautiful gap and a full nose and Esther didn't think she was beautiful because at the time let's say all of those who were in her genre had Eurocentric features if you will and so my mother would tell she had this gorgeous brown skin like chocolate mousse and my mother would remind her of how beautiful she was and so things like that weren't lost on me so that you know later on when I began to cast the covers or the pages the beauty pages of Essence you know the mantra that Essence had when I entered the door in 1980 was all shades shapes and sizes but I dreamt a world with that so gaps full blown blown froze, freckles, you name it. Yes. It it was the vision board that kept that was fresh every day. Right. I would stop girls in the subway, in the airport, at the you know, on the bus, wherever I was, because it was like it was about holding up the womanhood on the mirror on black womanhood. And if that's part of your genesis, like it was for my childhood. Yes. There was no end. Right. There was no end. There was beauty everywhere. Yeah, there was beauty everywhere. So, you know, we weren't limited by the model agencies. Right. Beautiful models, though they were, yes. but they weren't the spectrum That's right. of how I saw us. Yep. Yeah. How did you balance your career with motherhood and family life? It seems as if you were always working on the bus, on the train, stopping young women. Hey, you know, want to work with me? How did you balance it? You know, all? I think that, you know, it, my children could answer this question. And they would say that, you know, for mom, it was always about purpose at work. Mm. And so I learned certainly to give my best to whatever role let's say, I was in at the moment. Yes. I learned to be very present in the moment. Okay. So in the morning, you know, uh, when I remember, you know, they always had hot breakfast before going off to school. I'd put a little note in their lunch bag, <laughs> mommy loves you. But, you know, even from traveling, if I had to send a fax, this was before social media or, yes. or uh, FaceTime, if you will, a send a fax from Europe just yes. saying this, that, and the other. Yes. Uh, but... Yeah. And so, uh, you know, when I began to do media, and in fact, my children would have the principal turn on the television in school so that the kids could see. But they knew that the work that I was engaged in 
wasn't about me. It was yes. about us. Uh, and so I always said, if you're going to give yourself to something, yes. and, and, and whatever your purpose is, that's where you're spending the most of your time, if yes. you're honest, yes. that it had to be that which would live on it, let's say, long after I was gone. Create so, a legacy. Yeah. And, and again, that's what I was taught at home. I was taught not to take the road well-traveled, mm. but to blaze a trail and leave a legacy. Right. That yeah. was like the least you could do. Absolutely. You are yeah. indeed a living legacy. Oh, I'm so grateful you. for you, Mickey. Um, you and I had a, uh, an email exchange the other day <laughs> that left me even more in awe of you. And you said, quote, I penned Editor-in-Chic because I wanted multi-generational women to lead fearless and empowered lives, to celebrate their beauty and be centered in an authentic identity that transcends the opinions and approval of others. This is what owning your life and knowing your value is all about. It compels you to live with authority and embrace the cost as well as the delight of being yourself. Your words could not ring more true. I definitely think that in the age of social media and what's happening in politics and all around the world, we are having a sort of um, a crisis of identity and a yes. cri crisis of authenticity. Do, do you feel that there is amongst women a multi-generational uh, crisis of empowerment, that women in particular are not given or taking the opportunity to express their inner goddess? I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. I, uh, you know, even if I look at, if I look at age groups, if you will, it, it's not enough to be, to, to express yourself in a season, and then right. the next season you don't know who you are. Right. It's not enough to, to, not, to live this life and not recognize that you were not designed to be a carbon copy, that you were not created to fit in, that you are the standout, that you are unprecedented, and to not be more than okay with that, but to celebrate that. Yes. To, the lack thereof is a tragedy. Yes. That, that is not the definition of thriving. Right. And I think that that's a word that has to re-enter our mindset, that we were created to thrive. That at the very least, you should be celebrating your beauty. That you should know your value. That you should treasure your mind as the sacred space that it is. That you are not a chauffeur to someone else's dreams and ideals and approval and opinions of you. That is truly the definition of giving your power away. Exactly. That is living your life in the shadow of who you are meant to be. Exactly. And so I, I don't want that for us. On our watch, on my watch, yes. at least I want to do what I can to change that. I'm here to remind us of who we are. And you do that so well. I have a suggestion for you. I'll ask you what's next on your radar uh, a little bit towards the end, but I'd like to suggest that you just go around the world <laughs> and become a motivational or transformational speaker. Forget motivational, mm. transformational speaker. So mm. I'd, I'd love for you to add that to your resume yes, of 10,000 pages. You. Thank you <laughs> and that's for a, that. And that's a hashtag for me, created yeah. to thrive. Hashtag yes. created to thrive. Your first chapter of Editor-in-Chic opens with a quote by Freya Stark, and, and this also moved me. 
Quote, there can be no happiness if the things we believe in are different from the things we do, end quote. In the time of social media and current affairs, it can be challenging to express our authenticity. And do you believe that beauty, the beauty industry, offers us a way to reclaim our authenticity? And what are some of the ways in which we can uh, claim our true voice and speak it proudly and loudly? You know, I really think that begins with self. Mm. I really do. I, I... You know, the first chapter in my book really asks each of us to own the queen that lies within you. I don't believe that we should ask permission where we have authority. And I think that we should really be directing the industry, what's created and sold to us. If we, you know, that's one of the things I enjoyed about being beauty director on the printed page in that doing the research to help us understand that so many things in beauty, their genesis began with us. Yes. You know, redheads, if you will. Uh, Maasai men created red hair color from the clay of the earth. That was us. And so we need to know, again, ownership, the vision, the visionaries that we are, that we were from the beginning. So I really think that that is um, part of living from the inside out as yes. opposed to the outside in. Agreed. You know, I, I look at the things that are taking place, and I, and I smile sometimes, you know, blue lipstick, having, <laughs> trending, such I a heyday. I and I it. created blue lipstick <laughs> on our pages back in the 80s. Yes. But because there is nothing, you know, the creator dreamt us in color. So there's no color. There's nothing we can't play with, nothing we can't express. If we look at our visionary hair textures and colors and features and what have you, so... Again, that is the gem in the crown. The key gem in the crown is who looks back at you in the mirror every day, knowing who you are and how do you want to express that. Even how you want to express the many women that live inside of you. Because this narrow vision, or, oh, I have to do this, this is how it's done, or I have to wear my hair like this, or I have to wear, well, you can't color outside the lines because no one does that. Right. The limitation Of the beauty rules. Yeah. That bothers me. Okay. That bothers me immensely. Yes. Well, you are rewriting the rules because mm-hmm. we are the spectrum. Yeah. That's another are. hashtag. We are the spectrum. The book is also rich in affirmations, um, quotes, um, quintessential Mickey-isms, you call them. (laughs) Personally, what are some of the most impactful words that you live by, and what are some of your favorite PowerPoints? Oh, my gosh. Well, dream live. Because I don't, you know, daydreaming, I think, is for children. (laughs) And I think that grown women should dream live. And that means that there's a, you have to do so with strategic intention. That means that you have to activate. Uh, It has to be more than a theory. There is no calendar with one day or someday. So when, not I wish, it's when. Uh, Purpose at work is another one of, you know, my favorite hashtags, if yes. you will, because that's my checkpoint. Is it purposeful? Is it meaningful? How am I spending my time, my think space? What's dwelling in my vision space, if you will? Um, oh, gosh, there's determination. In fact, you know, in chapter one, I talk about instead of waking up with an alarm clock, I'm very thankful that I don't have to use an alarm clock, but waking up 
with a key word that sets the tone for your day. Determination is one. Okay. Uh, patience could be another. Uh, challenge proof is another. Mm. Uh, just what are the words that are going to guide your day? And, how, and if that's the seed through which you process everything that you do and receive, yes. how different your mm -hmm. life would be. There wouldn't be any more dreaded Mondays for that matter. Exactly. No day is dreaded for no, me. Right. Hump day. What is a hump day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, so, you know, if you just kind of erase, again, I say so much of the way we live is programmed and in sync with the ways of others. Yes. That we don't stop to think. We don't stop to think what's important to us. We right. don't stop to challenge the status quo. And to, to say, feel. well, what? Right. Why? Well, who said? You know, who told you that? Right. Why did you buy it? Right. Yeah. Fantastic. I usually wake up in the mornings with gratitude, first thing. And then, you know, I'll get to my horoscope. <laughs> but I think I'm going to change that. I will start with gratitude always. But then I'm going to start with a different word of the day. I get, you know, word genius of the yeah. day. And it's like yeah. mellifluous, you know, yeah. and all these big words which sound yeah. really sexy. But I think it's sexier to start with determination mm -hmm. or challenge proof mm -hmm. or um, authenticity. Right. I'm, I'm changing it up, Nikki. Grace. Right. Love. Grace. Love. Creativity. Right. Joy. Joy. Exactly. Playtime. Exactly. Yeah. I'm changing it up, Mickey. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your book is incredibly empowering and inspiring, and I think our listeners will attest to that. It seems to me that there's an underlying relationship uh, between beauty and empowerment. I once, years ago, started an organization called Beauty for Empowerment. It has mm. always been my belief. My practice in plastic surgery is holistic beauty for the discerning. Can you discern inner beauty from outer beauty and, and that they both work in concert together? How do you believe the two are related? Can we empower ourselves through beauty or is it the other way around? Well, you know, first of all, I don't, when it comes to inner and outer beauty, I don't think you should have one without the other. And I really do think that beauty with outer beauty without an inner foundation is just decoration. Yes. You know, yes. it's superficial. It's yes. not substantive. It doesn't have roots. Yeah. And that's really important. You know, that goes, you know, right back to self-worth. Because Indeed. again, self-perception even, it colors everything in your life yeah. so that you're not going to live any better than what you believe to be true. Exactly. So again, knowing your worth, celebrating your beauty, appreciating your distinctiveness. Uh, you know, I could just go on and on. The, it, at, at the end of the day, it keeps you from getting in your own way. So outer beauty without inner beauty or without that deep foundation and connectedness right. to your power right. is actually self-limiting. Right. Without question. Without question. And it is fragile at yeah. best. Right. Right. I had the pleasure and honor of contributing to your most recent book. Thank you. Mm -hmm. At social events, however, <laughs> I sometimes meet people who insist that they would never undergo a procedure or do anything to their skin. So sad. <laughs> In your chapter on skin, you describe a number of skincare options and treatments. Do you believe it's possible to age well and abstain from any skincare or any procedures ever? 
you know, I don't think that, you know, genetics aside, I don't think that great skin happens without intentional care. I love it. I really do not. We take care of our babies. They're born with perfect skin. But the moment they arrive, we recognize that we are responsible for nurturing that beautiful skin. I think that we should eat, treat our own skin like that of a newborn. Yeah. I think that you should have a relationship with your skin. You <laughs> yes. recognize its changes. You recognize what it needs. Yes. You recognize that it's important what you put topically on your skin as much as it is what you put internally that feeds your skin. Okay. I, I do think that um, practices, treatments. I do think that's a choice. And again, I don't think that we should live under the uh, imprisonment of what others think. Right. So whatever brings you joy must be realized. Amen. And if you, for example, um, we know that we age in amazing fashion. Yes. But it doesn't mean that we don't age. That's right. So we know that skin of color, it will sag. Yes. It will have loss of volume and firmness. Yes. So if you're at the point where you want to have fillers, it's not about what your girlfriend thinks. No judgment. It's about what you own. And what brings you joy. And what brings you joy. Now, by the time we wrinkle, so to speak, <laughs> yes. We've earned every one of them. Absolutely. And at 90, you better not be talking to Sister Fathers about her wrinkles. <laughs> oh, you're right. going to get a dose of good kitchen table criticism. <laughs> Absolutely. But beyond that, it's all about what brings you joy. And whatever that means in the journey called your life. That's right. Not someone else's take on how you should live it. That's right. So skin care and whatever that means for you right. is actually a form of self-care. It is. Amen. It is. 100% agree. What does it mean to invest in yourself? And I presume skin care and self-care mm. are a big part of that. What does it mean to well, truly invest in yourself? Well, first of all, you know, I really do think that self-nurturing is key. I do think that the investing in yourself is, again, an inner and outer principle. In fact, I talk in my book about, you know, doing one exercise a week that really is about your mind and your mental state as opposed to just all the aerobics and the bar and the this, that, and the <laughs> other for your muscle tone and so forth. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, I do think that mindfulness and getting still is a way of investing in yourself. Time for self should be a non-negotiable platform for you. You know, we need to be do better at setting priorities. Yes. You know, we need to learn to lovingly say no and recognize that we cannot be available to and everything that everyone that pulls on us. You know, I do think that we should have a temple management team mm. because I don't think we should do it by ourselves. So if you have a hairstylist and a manicurist and your medical doctor, you've already started one. Yeah. What else do you need at this season in your life? And it will change. But who else should be on that list? Is it an esthetician? Is it, is a, is it a dermatologist? Yeah. Is it a plastic surgeon? Is it a podiatrist? Right. Is it a hair loss expert? Yeah. So just recognizing that you deserve the best, yeah. that's where investing in yourself begins. 
how you see yourself, what you know you're worthy of. Again, embracing the cost as well as the delight of being yourself. Right. It should cost something to be your best self. It absolutely should because you're worth it. Absolutely. So, you know, people speak about the brain trust, but you are speaking about a temple trust. Temple honor trust. Honor thy temple. That's and right. Whoever is a part That's of that right. tribe, just invite them in and be prepared That's to pay exactly for it. That's exactly right. <laughs> I mm-hmm. love it. So what, you, okay, so now we're talking about the temple management. What about the celebration circle? What is it and how do we create uh, one? So celebration circle is a term that I coined because I wanted us to recognize that our greatness was not designed to operate in isolation. And I think that that is, as time goes on, I see us operating more and more in isolation. We think that we have fellowship because we may have 5,000 friends. Mm. No, you do not. Uh, You know, we think that we have to have all the answers. No, you do not. You need a celebration circle, and that is a team of celebrants who clear purpose is to see you thrive, to see you win, who will check, polish, push you, who won't entertain you in your pity parties, who will remind you of the truth of who you are, who will remind you of those who may be toxic in your circle and that you need to stop hallucinating. People who tell you the truth. People who tell you the truth and help you be your most authentic self. I'm going to start one straight away. Mm-hmm. Mickey, I'd love for you to be a part of my indeed, celebration circle. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> you and I share a splendid case of wanderlust. Yes. You have traveled extensively. What has travel or other cultures taught you about the global appreciation for beauty? And is there a universal beauty standard? Oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> wow. Travel. Mm. I know. What, I, there's so much. There is so much. I mean, when you think about, you know, I have takeaways from everywhere, from the motherland. I have takeaways from Iceland, from Brazil, from the nation. And it has taught me, first of all, to, again, how amazing God is. Again, when you hear me say that we are unprecedented, I've looked in the face of us everywhere. And to recognize that, you know, there are, I've seen zebras running wild. I've seen twins and, you know, but when you think about each of us, that there is not another you on this planet. So it's taught me, first of all, a supreme appreciation for how distinctive we are. Yes. It has taught me an appreciation for the glory of womanhood. Yes. Today's podcast is generously and authentically offered to you by Boron and the Calendula line of first aid and skincare products. Calendula, made from a garden marigold, is ideal for use on dry, irritated, or sunburned skin, all without fragrances, dyes, or parabens. Try mixing it with your moisturizer or night cream or apply it alone after an exfoliation or a cosmetic medical procedure. All brands and sponsor opportunities are vetted and curated by me and are selected to sponsor based on my experience with the product or service, both personally and professionally. This ensures that you hear about products and services with authenticity, credibility, and integrity. Calendula, a Boron product you can trust, and I do. You've just listened to part one of Forever Fab podcast. Please stay tuned for part two. Coming up next, 